Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Another week, another preview, another recap of our games last week, uh, and another guest. We got it all incorporated into this episode. I'm Josh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. How are you, my friend? I'm okay. I'm okay. Things are going badly. The only thing I can look forward to now is the total restructure of this Giants organization. Which How is it going to play out? I don't know. We're going to have to see. I've been playing out different scenarios in my head. Dave Gettleman leaves. Mm. Joe Judge stays, even though he is not the best coach. Joe Daniel Judge Jones leaves. Daniel Jones stays. Saquon Barkley gets traded before the trade deadline. Jabril Peppers gets traded before the... See, all these scenarios are just getting thrown about in my head so that's really the big thing and uh yeah so i guess we'll have to see what happens but we do have a game this weekend we have game against the panthers i mean i I don't think anyone really cares at this point (laughs) but i think you know we still got to talk about it and maybe we can possibly win this game and i'm not going to say get our season back on track but uh at least not lose the next seven games after that, which it looks like we might. So, uh, yeah, hopeful that we get a decent result in this game and hopefully uh, things get better. But got a few things before we get into uh, more of the game preview. Yeah, Alex, uh, we do have some stuff to talk about in this episode, so let's get right into it. And I would say we start off with uh, the two players that go on IR. Obviously, we knew CJ Board already had a broken left arm uh, we knew that, I think, from our recap episode. But don't worry. We got another offensive lineman who heads to the IR. Uh, you know, another injured offensive lineman being Andrew Thomas, the second-year player who we thought would improve. He's got to be out at least three weeks uh, and heading to the IR. So, I mean, just just more pressure that uh, Daniel Jones will get on him, uh, I guess, mentally and physically now because we don't have another uh, uh, tackle. So... That's exciting stuff. 
We also worked out a few defensive linemen that I would just like to go through real quick, and then Alex can get his thoughts. It was, uh, according to Giants Wire, Woodrow Hamilton, Trayvon Hester, and Xavier Williams all made the trip to East Rutherford to try out in front of uh, head coach Joe Judge and company. So I'm going to take a breath because we got we got some some teams to go through here. We're going to start off with Woodrow Hamilton. He's played with the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints. Uh, no, the New England Patriots. Actually, no, he has, but we'll get to that later. The New England Patriots in 2016, the Saints in 2017 and 2018, the Giants in 2018, the Panthers 2019, 2020, and the Tennessee Titans in 2021. Then we have Trayvon Hester has played with Oakland Raiders in 2017, Eagles in 2018, uh, Redskins at the time in 2019, Packers in 2020, Eagles in 2020, Bills in 2021. And then Xavier Williams has played with the Cardinals uh, 2015 through 2017. The Chiefs in the 2018 and 2019 season. Split time between the Patriots and Bengals in 2020 and then Cardinals in 2021. And those are the three players that you should know um, that came and tried out for the New York Giants looking to play on defense. We'll have to see if any of them make the practice squad and or not and or but or make the team 53 man roster. And also Edge, Ellerson, Smith, and cornerback Aaron Robinson, third and fourth round picks from this past year's draft, are being av- activated Sorry, off the PUP list or the physically unable to perform list. Um, and they have 21 days, I believe, to be officially activated uh, off the PUP slash IR, whatever they uh, determine it during the season. But yeah, so they're back at practice and uh, good news for them there. The injury report, our favorite thing to do, recording this Wednesday night, so we only have Wednesday, uh, the Wednesday data, or the the list of who practiced and who did not, but I will read it anyway. Uh, Saquon Barkley, Wednesday, did not practice with ankle. Uh, Kenny Galladay, knee, did not practice. Aziz Ojolari, not injury-related, did not practice. No idea what's going on there. I guess we'll find out in a few days, probably. John Ross, wide receiver, Hamstring did not practice. Caden Smith did not practice. Kadarius Tony did not practice. Bed Bred- Ben Bredesen, uh, hand limited practice. Danny Shelton, what is that? Peck limited practice. And uh, Darius Slayton with a hamstring also limited practice. So hopefully Darius Slayton's back for this weekend's contest uh, against the uh, Panthers. For Panthers injury report real quick, C.J. Henderson, full practice with his shoulder injury. Frankie Luvo, Luvu, Luvo, uh, linebacker, biceps limited practice, and then did not practice for Terrace Marshall, Shaq Thompson, Giovanni Ritchie, and Alec, Alex Erickson there. Uh, a couple of those, three out of the four of them with concussions. But uh, anyway, that's pretty much it for the injury report, I think. Uh, Josh, you have any comments on the injury report? Obviously, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, the key names there, Kadarius Tony as well. Um, Saquon, it looks like, will not be playing Week 7, but I think he'll be back Week 8, but never going to say never. The Giants haven't really been forthcoming with what his injury really is, so who knows? And obviously, Galladay with that hyperextended knee, I think probably has a decent like 50-60% chance to play, according to uh, Dr. Alex here on the Giant Take podcast, so... I disagree uh, we'll with see. Dr. Alex. I do not think we will see Kenny Galladay this weekend, and I would not trust Dr. Alex with any of your medical records if uh, Dr. Alex of the Giant Take podcast diagnoses you with any form of anything. 
do not listen to him because uh, you are not in the right hands and you need to find. I don't have a degree. I do not have a degree whatsoever. So you these might are need just, to find a real uh, doctor. <laughs> might need to find a real doctor. But, uh, but anyway, besides that, I think it's good that Christian McCaffrey isn't playing, not for the injury sake of Christian McCaffrey, for the Giants' chances of actually winning this game. If anyone wants that at this point, I don't know how many Giants fans. It could be like a 50-50 even split of who actually wants to have pride in this team this season and have them win games. And then who also, there could be the Giants fans already that want them to lose games at this point uh, due to the draft stock going up and having better draft picks. I believe right now the two picks that the Giants have projected is having the fifth or a pick inside the top five uh, for their own record and then projected like mid uh teens like 15th 16th uh due to the bears record currently that is projected uh for the giants two picks in the first round of the 2022 nfl draft if anyone was wondering i definitely was so you know had to figure out that info um what else alex when it comes to that not not anything else i mean we we kind of get into it with uh, to the we get into the injuries a little bit, I think, for the Panthers with online big blue sports uh, entertainment in the interview. So that was a good one uh, with Tim from there. And, uh, you know, just stay tuned to listen to that. We'll get there in a little bit. And we also talk about our score prediction, um, you know, with the Giants and a little bit more of the preview against this Panthers game. But what we would like to do here, Alex, uh, before we talk about our NFL game picks, is uh, what we like to do instead of the three points that you told me I'm loving the X factors. I'm loving the X factors because I'm good at them. I didn't really hit with the Von ja- or who did I pick Deshaun Jackson last week? Didn't really hit with that one, but I'm like three and two right now. So better than the giants. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know what? I'm going to have to go with Hubbard. I think that, uh, I think that I think Chubba Hubbard is going to come out here. I think he's going to do well against the giants and I think he will do very well in the run game. Not to point it to the interview again, but we do talk about like the running game and how effective that is uh, against this Giants team. Zeke had a really good game for the Cowboys. Melvin Gordon did right for the for the Broncos all the way back in Week One. I also think that this past weekend uh, Henderson did a, did a good amount of his job. Kamara, right? I mean, they had a lot of rushes, but they they got yards on it. So that's who I have: Chuba Hubbard, Alex. As you know, I don't go with the basic ones like you. <laughs> I'm going to go with someone pretty basic anyway, but I'm going to go with Mr. Former Jet Robbie Anderson has that over-the-top speed. I think he's going to crack open our secondary. Robbie Anderson's my X factor. Love his hair. Really the only reason. I just saw his picture and I was like, damn, he's going to destroy us. And uh, yeah, besides the fact that he also... What, what do you think Robbie Anderson runs? I don't know what his 40 time is, but Robbie Anderson 40 time. I mean, I'd assume. He's While like you check that three, out, I can go or not. Four, three, six. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. So Robbie Anderson, Alex, is <laughs> X Factor and Chubba Hubbard, uh, my X Factor. Let's go into the picks. Last week, Alex, nine and four. Myself, 10 and three. Uh, what really did it for him there was the stupid pick of going with the uh, Chargers over the Ravens when the Ravens got, uh, or the Oh, stop even talking with the Justin Hu- uh, Justin Hubbard, Justin Herbert. Oh, God. Just, see, I told you, Justin Herbert. Well, bro, no, how about you listen to me here, buddy? Uh, I chose the Ravens in this game. Alex did not. Ravens, I believe, won 31-6, to six, if I'm correct. 
It was 31 to 6. Yeah. Yes, I do believe so. Oh, Maybe it was no, 9. I think so. Anyway, uh, Broncos Raiders also cost him having the Broncos instead of the Raiders. What is he doing? Not me, obviously. So I win against him by a game last week. Let's go on to this week and our picks for that. Obviously, I will go uh, the 1 to 4, and then Alex will pick it up from there. So let's start out with, you know what? I'm going to... We got to be honest here. I have to pull up the NFL schedule so I can get this right because I'm not prepared. Broncos Browns. Oh, <laughs> look at you, Mr. Prepared. When does this happen? You definitely just Broncos, pulled it up earlier Browns. than I did. I want to make that clear, though. I already had it. You prepared. had it before the episode prepared. started. Uh, bro- I'm do- mm, I did yeah, actually well, surprisingly. No, no Broncos, you're still not taking over Browns. my job, though. I'm sorry. Well, I can. We're gonna flip fine, it. You're doing fine, the four flip ones today. We're flipping it. Broncos Browns with no Baker Mayfield. Mr. Case Keenum will take the field for the Browns. And uh, I think the Broncos are going to win. And also no Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, which means their whole offense is basically not there. Um, So with their various injuries on the O-line, no quarterback, OBJ is probably out. Jarvis Landry, we're not sure, is going to be back. It's Dearness Johnson time. Josh decides. No, why are you yelling over me? Why are you yelling over me? What is, I, I'm not allowed to talk now? Oh my goodness. I was in the, I was in the middle of talking. Dearness Johnson, cook up for my fantasy team. Anyway, thank you. Funny story about that. I was going to, because Josh has Nick Chubb on his fantasy team. Uh, I was trying to figure out, I was trying to get him to spend more fab, like making it seem like I was going to spend fab on it. It was, uh, you know, mean like that. But then he only got it for two and I wasn't bidding. It was pretty obvious and I'm upset about it. So anyway. Uh, Josh is going with the Browns. I'm going with the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater, about a cook. We'll see about Jerry Judy. Um, I'm not sure when he's going to be returning. I think it's week eight uh, that it sounds like. But Vic Vangio did say, I believe, 50% or less than 50%. I don't remember exactly what he said, but who knows there. Anyway, too long for that game. Chiefs-Titans, we both went Chiefs. Packers-Washington, we both went Packers. Ravens-Bengals, I'm going to go Ravens. Josh went Ravens. Um, Panthers Giants, you heard that in the interview, or you're gonna hear that in the interview, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Falcons, Dolphins, uh, we both go the Falcons, I do believe. Yes, we both went the Falcons. Um, Patriots, Jets. I could see the Jets pulling off an upset here, but we both went Patriots. Raiders, Eagles, we both went Raiders. Rams, Lions is you, and also Eagles, Raiders was you. So I just steamrolled, steamrolled your thing. But you did that last episode. Too, so um, yeah, my, but I don't think I did too because you like obliterated me when I like did the first one. Well, I I didn't I didn't say I didn't say uh, Lions Rams. I just said Lions Rams. I didn't make the pick yet, so it was like one and a half. <laughs> whatever, whatever you count as your numbers, Alex. Yeah. So the next one is Lions Rams. We both go Rams. Uh, with that pick, I think Alex, when he was making these, uh, we did that like pre-recording, uh, and he was like, that's probably the easiest pick of the day. Listen, he could very well be wrong, <laughs> but I'll uh, definitely have to keep that in the back of my mind. Next one, Buccaneers-Bears. We both have the Buccaneers, and that would be good for the Giants' first-round pick. Let's see if we can get that into the uh, top 10, projected-wise. Uh, Texans-Cardinals, we both have the Cardinals winning that one. Finally, a split here between the Colts and 49ers. Alex has the Colts on Sunday Night Football. I have the 49ers. That could definitely be a Sunday Night Football matchup not everyone likes because it's, like, it's not like the big two teams you think about you want to see, but I think it's going to be a good matchup there. I could also be wrong. Alex, you might want to keep that in the back of your head. Saints, Seahawks, we both have the Saints. Nothing crazy there. 
Uh, not the Monday night matchup we all were hoping for because of a healthy Russell Wilson was there. It would have been a different story, but we got the, uh, we got the man Geno Smith and that's not too happy to see. And of course you got the famous Jameis. So famous Jameis. Wow. You've never heard that no, one. No, uh, you should have just claimed that you made it. You would have no, gotten No, I should have. Yeah. I would have gotten all the credit, but I have heard that multiple all right. times. Well, anyway, we appreciate you uh, listening to this point. Please listen to Beyond This Point because we have an interview uh, coming up right now. And uh, I guess I'll get my plugs in first. Please subscribe to the Giant Take Podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter at the Giant Take Pod. Alex on Twitter at Anorian23. I'm at Joshola29. The Instagram is the Giant Take. Facebook is the Giant Take. And uh, TikTok. TikTok, TikTok is uh, the Giant Take Pod. Uh, follow us on there as well. Shipitstudios.com slash the Giant Take is where you can check out all our links. Shipitstudios.com slash Giant Take. Alex, you got something to say? Yeah, I do. I was going to mention, you know, we always do these plugs at the end of the episode, and I thought we were just the best. We always sneak in the plugs throughout the thing. But I got to say, Tim really snuck a good one at the end. So I'm very proud. I was very proud of him there. That was a, that was like a really good one. Yeah. I, like I was shocked. I was like, "Damn, we just got outplayed." <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, go and stay, stay tuned. tuned. Go enjoy the interview with uh, Tim from Online Big Blue Sports Entertainment. We are back now with a very special guest, Tim from Online Big Blue Sports Entertainment. You can follow him on Twitter at Online Big Blue One, and obviously the main place uh, where you want to find him, watch him, listen. Obviously, he has the podcast uh, on podcast platforms like the Giant Take Podcast here, uh, but also on the YouTube channel as well. Online Big Blue Sports Entertainment. Tim, we're happy to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's always it's always good to go someplace else and talk Giants because a lot of times I just seem to be talking to myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're we're happy you're joining us, and obviously we can talk about this uh, horrific team that you know we all love together. Yeah, hor- horrific's a good word. <laughs> Horrible, putrid, terrible, pugnant. There's a lot of good words you can use about this team. It's uh, it's it's. You you don't want to get led into a depression by watching the Giants, but it's one of those seasons that anything that can go wrong will go wrong and has gone wrong. And really what's so disappointing about this season is I think, I don't know if I'm speaking for every Giants fan, but I think most Giants fan had higher uh, fans had higher expectations this year than any other year in the past, right? You know, we saw what Joe Judge could do in the past, you know, in the last few games of last season where we went on a little bit of a hot run. But, of course, we have to be brought back down to earth. And I think that's why this season is so tough, really, at least for me. I, I've never, I was never a Joe Judge fan. Um, I just did a video recently that um, a, lot of, a lot of the Joe Judge claim to fame, especially early on, was he won the press conference. And I, I've said it a million times. I'd rather have a coach that can win games and not a press conference. If you look through the streak that we had towards the end of the season where we won some games, they were lesser opponents outside of Seattle. Um, Daniel Jones didn't turn over the ball, but he did not play spectacular. And we won those games on, on defense. But then when it counted, especially against the Cardinals in Baltimore, we basically went into the tank. 
And I had predicted the Giants to win six to seven games this season because I didn't see a monumental progression from year two, excuse me, year one to year two. Um, Just kind of going a little, I guess, off topic. We kind of like to start backwards and move our way forward. So just my first question uh, for you and kind of just to get our audience, if they don't know you already, to kind of just get familiar um, is just my question is, how did you start on the uh, Giants community when it comes to YouTube? Started late in 2019. And I actually, I didn't want to do YouTube. A friend of mine wanted to set up a channel because uh, a lot of people told him he should be a YouTuber or he should do something like a podcast. And um, I've been a Giant fan since 76. And I've been to all the home games. Like I, said, I was there when they opened up the stadium for the Meadowlands. I was over there when they opened up MetLife. I've always been a big fan. I worked in the NFL. I worked in the AFL. I, uh, you know, so it's football's always been a passion. I played in college. And it was just something when he started the channel, he all of a sudden, after the first episode, decided not to do it anymore. So I had put in all this work and effort to build the channel and get it ready for him. And it just seemed like a waste to let it go. And I can always talk giant. So I was like, well, let me continue to do it for a little bit. And I did it for a few months and then I kind of quit. And then I did it for a few more months and I kind of came back. And then something happened where I can't remember what the video was, but we kind of took off a little bit and now in a little over, actually a little under two years, we're closing in on a million uh, views. So, um, you know, it, it was just one of those experiences that I didn't really want to do it. It just kind of, it just kind of happened. And now two years later, I'm still saying, do I really want to do this? Especially after this season, or way the season's rolling along. So speaking of the fans relationships with the players here, obviously there was some booing going on after uh, the Rams game, um, you know, which I think is well-deserved, but what are your thoughts on the booing of the players and then kind of how the players reacted? Cause I know who was it? Leonard Williams came out and said, you know, whatever he said about how he didn't really appreciate it or whatever. But uh, what do you, what's your thoughts on the whole booing it, situation, how the players react? It's part of the sport. I mean, yeah. they, they refer to it as the Bronx cheer and they refer to that as a reason, because if you don't play well, they're going to boo you. And Leonard Williams has not played up to his, his contract. And, there was massive expectations from, you know, in regards to him. I, I thought the Giants should not have signed him for more than $11 million a year because I've said it a million times. You are what you are the first five seasons in your career. You have a career year in year six. It does not negate what you did the first five years. And yes, he did have a Pro Bowl season one of those years. And, but he mainly had one, you know, five sacks, three sacks. It, it, he he is what he is. He he's a good interior presence, which is going to help you get a push to the quarterback. But he's going to need to have pieces around him. So, for the fans to boo him, for him to get upset about it, I mean, he basically said that he wouldn't go to a car salesman and boo him at work. And he said that it doesn't bother him, but it does bother him. Well, this is New York. Yeah, I mean, better better athletes have been booed than Leonard Williams. I mean, all stars, Hall of Famers. And for him to be upset about it, it's just, it's the fans frustration. And you took the money, Leonard. And, and I, I said it before, we don't want to make sure Weno gets his little feelings hurt. We don't, we want to make sure that he's happy, but it doesn't matter. You took the money to be here. You've been in New York before, man up, play your position, play better, rally your troops. And then you won't get booed because you know what? Fans do not boo for effort. They boo when there's a lack thereof. In the last two games, there's been a lack thereof. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I you, you kind of just went to it. Your thoughts on the Rams game, the Rams blowout, I should say. Um, obviously, after one quarter, you can just see the tremendous shift 
between a three nothing lead and whatever it was at halftime. What was it like seventeen three? I I don't know the exact it numbers. Was, what was it twenty? It was twenty seven or twenty eight three at halftime. Yeah. Exactly. And then we're honoring the, the 10 years of, uh, since our last Super Bowl with, uh, Coach Coughlin and Eli Manning, Victor Cruz, Justin Tuck, you know, all the great talk out of halftime when the Giants are losing by, you know, uh, 14 points or whatever it was. Uh, you know, just the, the shift between that first quarter. Your thoughts on the game overall? I, I never thought the Giants were in the game. The Rams, like Dallas the week previously, were basically making mistakes and keeping, in some ways, keeping the Giants in the game. I mean, I, I love the fact that uh, McVeigh, who is the head coach, is, uh, his father was the head coach of the Giants in the 70s, which is one of the worst eras in Giant football. And even coming off the field when his team was up 28-3, he was upset. He was upset from the lack of execution. He was upset. He was upset from the penalties. And when the sideline reporter talked to him, he mentioned, "I'm upset about these things." But you walk off the Giants, you know, you walk off the field with Joe Judge. You know, we're down by three. It's it's it was just a repeat of the week before. It it was, you could tell the different level of talent, and the way that the Rams and Cowboys have been constructed, than the way that the Giants have been constructed over the last five years under the Gettleman era. Yeah, um, I mean, I completely agree. Speaking of Gettleman, I mean, not just Gettleman, but who's got to go? Do you have a list? Does everyone got to go? Does no one have to go? Who's going? The list is long and distinguished. (laughs) Honestly, you got to start with Gettleman. You have to see how Judge and Jones finishes out the season, but I've said this a million times. No respectable general manager is going to want to come to New York if he's told he's got to keep Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. You want to lose with your guys or you want to win with your guys. And if you didn't draft Daniel Jones going into year four and you didn't pick Joe Judge going into year three, I mean, would the, what, what reputable GM or even an assistant GM would say, you know what, that's a really good situation. I can't pick my coach or my quarterback. I mean, that's a recipe for winning. And also we're going to be in cap purgatory in 2022. So, you know, I, I really want to come to this team. But I mean, I think you have to see how the year finishes out. But if it continues such as this, you got to go top to bottom and just wipe everybody out. I think Joe Judge needs to go personally. I'm not a Gettleman hater. I'm not a Gettle, you know, a Gettleman lover. I, I, you know, I don't love the guy. I think the moves that he's made. I know Alex mainly critiques the Saquon Barkley pick at number two. Um, but I think I, I'm done with Judge, honestly. And it's funny because he won us over with that press conference. He won me over with the Seattle win. Um, but it just, I, I can't anymore. I can't with the, the, the main thing that um, when we recorded our recap episode of the game against the Rams, where I really lost it and I started yelling about, and there's points so far in the last like three recap episodes where I've yelled, but the main one that got me this past episode was he doesn't go for it on fourth downs when there's a chance to score a touchdown. He goes for it on a meaningless one, you know, at his own, whatever it was, it was a fourth and one at their own 40 with the Daniel Jones QB sneak that went absolutely nowhere. I'm just done with it at this point. I'm done. So I don't know. That's just who I have, like, that I, that I'm saying I need, I think they need to go. No, I, I don't disagree. I mean, he has made some, and you want to, you want, you don't want to call them blunders, but he has made some mistakes as a head coach in year one. And you kind of hoped he was going to progress into year two and kind of grow out of those mistakes. But the red challenge flag was, was inexcusable. 
And then I loved his, I, I loved his answer that he was trying to get the referee's attention. The only problem was he threw the red flag after the extra point. So if you, it, it, after the extra point, it's automatically a timeout. You, you can go on the field and speak to the referee. It's, and, he, and then he always plays it off like he knew the rule. Why well, know the rule? Well, if he knew the rule, you wouldn't have thrown the flag. You would have thrown your hat. You would have thrown your headset. You would have thrown a shoe. You would have done something else than, than, than make yourself look like a fool on, on national TV. And then I, I hate the fact that you mentioned fourth and one. How many times has he put his offense on the field on fourth and one and did the Harry High School stuff and try to draw the team off sides? It never worked. It hasn't worked yet. And he continues. He stopped doing it recently, but he continues to do it. His timeout management is horrible. He does not believe in momentum. He's, he's come out and said that multiple times. He doesn't know how to manage the flow of the game. And he doesn't know when he needs to step on the gas and when he needs to lay off a little bit. He, he just, he's, he's, he's great at talking. And like, and like I said before, Everyone was great. Everyone said he won the press conference. I, I said it. I did a video and I got killed for it because I said, I don't care if you won the press conference. I need you to win games because I'm not impressed with the way you look in a suit. I'm going to be more impressed at the end of the season after week 17 and we're in the playoffs. And also, I don't know if this annoys you, but when we're when we're defending on the goal line, right, they have it on the one yard line. And it's first and goal, and they've been running the ball all over us. And then he proceeds to take a timeout. Like, they're not going to score a touchdown the next play. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that annoys me. That annoyed the hell out of me. There was a couple times. They, they, he also called the timeout on the punt. And it was going to be a delay a game, so it would have been a half a yard penalty when we were when we were kicking. And, and he took the timeout. It's like, why? It's a half a yard. It, it's not going to be an automatic safety. It's it's a half a yard, and you just burned a timeout. I mean, that is that is to me is 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 inexcusable, and and for them not to be able to make adjustments at halftime, and I blame not only Joe Judge, but I also blame the coaching staff. I mean, I pointed it out after the Cleveland preseason game because Cleveland showed the blueprint of how to beat the Giants, and I and I've said it every time in my videos: off tackle left, off tackle left, off tackle right, busted up the gut, throw deep. And it's almost like it's a pattern. Dallas ran for 103 yards in the first quarter alone. Even Troy Aikman said, if I was the Cowboys, I wouldn't even throw the ball. And at that point in time, if someone's running for 103 yards, creep up your safeties. Add an extra defensive lineman. Stack seven in the box. Challenge them with Adore Jackson and James Bradbury to throw. I know you're, you know, let your skill guys play their skill guys, but stop the run. I mean, how do you miss these things as an NFL head coach? Yeah, and one thing I wanted to go back to with Gettleman, right? Gettleman's always stated he's trying to do whatever's best for the team, et cetera. And I think at this point, doing what's best for the team, I think that's trying to offload as many people as possible for the trade deadline, especially players like Jabril Peppers. You know, uh, maybe this isn't the best idea. I've seen a few people float around. James Bradbury, you know, he has some contract uh, issues. Like if we if we don't trade him this off season, it's we're not going to be able to get rid of him for a very long time. And his cap hit is huge. It's because- $21 million next year. If we trade him now, we will shave $12 million off the dead cap space, but there will still be almost yeah. a $9 million hit in regards to cap space for 2022. If we get rid of Bradbury, I think it might be worth, it, you know, at, at this point, if we're, if we already realize, Hey, we're not going to be competitive next year for overhauling and everything anyway. I don't know. Depends if Gettleman already kind of admits that his job is gone at this point. But 
I don't know if he does. I think he probably still is confident that he can keep it. With Mara, you never know. I mean, it's it's been interesting that uh, Tish came out uh, last year and said, you know, if things continue to go this way, maybe we have to rethink uh, who's running the football operation. I mean, like I said, Amara has run the fil- uh, the football operation going back to Wellington when they first came into the league. Um, so, but maybe it is time. Maybe it's, it's time for a, a an updated philosophy because the giant way hasn't worked in 10 years. Um, I mean, not to, not to go so far out uh, into the Giants future, but I think um, we can all agree where this season's kind of a wash when it comes to the playoffs. So I'm going to ask you about the draft. What positions are you looking into? I mean, you don't have to be like, oh, I like a single player right now. We're in October. Uh, but is there any key positions that you think the Giants can really improve on, especially with these uh, two first round picks that we'll have uh, from the Bears last season? I, I have to laugh because um, when when they initially made the trade, I understood it. I thought Michael Parsons would be a better pick but I understood they were building draft capital in case of the implosion of Daniel Jones, which, which was a, which was a smart move, but it looks like Michael Parsons may turn out to be a perennial pro bowler. Um, And if I'm drafting for, if I'm specifically drafting for the giants, I'm going, I I am going linebacker or defensive end because we have no edge presence. And I, I think anyone that's ever watched any of my shows or my videos, I am a huge Malik Willis fan out of Liberty. I think if you're going to go, if it's, I think it's time to move on from Daniel Jones. Malik Willis, of course, he came over from Auburn. He went to he went to Liberty. He had a good season last year. He's actually rising up the uh, the draft charts quite exponentially right now. He's he in my mind, he's a combination of Michael Vick, uh, a little bit of Kyla Murray, and combined. But he has the accuracy, and a lot of people don't get him credit for having accuracy. But he, for a kid that's only six one, he's very accurate. And the problem people say is he plays at Liberty. But if you ever watched him play in Liberty, I just watched him recently play against Syracuse, and he did get stopped at fourth or one towards the end of the game. But he plays above his competition. And if you're playing at a smaller school, that's what you want to see in your quarterback or your player. You want to see him rise above his team and his competition, and he more than does that. He is he's ranked in the top ten in passing. He'll be over a thousand yards in rushing. He'll probably have at least 40 touchdowns between rushing and receiving. He's a different quarterback. He is a mobile quarterback. Daniel Jones is not a mobile quarterback. Daniel Jones is a pocket passer with downhill speed. He, and I've said it a million times. He is a point guard that can't create his own shot. Malik Willis is the exact opposite. He can create, he, if he is, if you know, you want to go to a Nick because <laughs> next season's kicking off soon. He's, he's Mark Jackson. He's, He's Derek Rose. He's Rod Strickland. He's a guy that can create his own opportunities like Kyler Murray. And that's what the, I think that's what the Giants need, especially if you're playing behind a patchwork line. I mean, I agree. I think for me, I'm looking at players. I, I can't pronounce his name, um, but the edge rusher from Oregon. I, I just call him Tibbs, like Tom Thibodeau. But yeah. um, <laughs> I think he's outstanding. I think he's going to be, he might go one or two, and I'm not sure if we're going to have that pick, but. He's definitely outstanding. We need edge desperately because let's be honest, Lorenzo Carter's not cutting it. I think Azizo Jalari has potential, but I don't think he's that guy who's going to be on the edge. He's not going to be your, uh, you know, your Chandler Jones, your whoever, you know, you're mentioning on the edge. Uh, I don't know why Chandler Jones came to mind, but uh, he's not your Khalil Mack on the edge. But I think an edge rusher would be really important. But interestingly, you brought up Malik Willis because I actually was uh, looking at some of his highlights recently. I do like him. He's a bit raw for sure. Um, 
But then again, there's been lots of raw quarterbacks recently, such as Josh Allen, who's really developed into a very solid quarterback. Trey Lance. Trey Lance, exactly. He, he's very similar, actually, a little bit. He, they're, very, they're very similar, but yeah. I, I think if in regards to polish, Trey Lance um, may have been a little bit more of a polished passer um, right now than Malik Willis coming out of school. And, and that's and that's not saying a lot because Trey Lance has got a big arm, but he doesn't have the accuracy. He doesn't understand the touch yet. And he'll, he'll, he'll get to that. But I think as, a, as more of a dynamic option, I think that Malik Willis has more of an upside than Trey Lance right right now. I mean, any, anything could change. I mean, Trey Lance could. I know he's hurt right now, and Jimmy G's coming back. But anything anything can happen between now and the next two three years. Daniel Jones may become good the next two three years. We don't know. I was gonna mention Daniel Jones. Um, I just because I feel like we've seen the best games we've seen from his career earlier in the season. Um, you know, having hundred yard games. Obviously, the biggest one being New Orleans having over four hundred yards. NFC, uh, whatever player of the week. This this past week, I know was not the best. I think from what it looked like, we I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt where maybe we rush him back from that concussion protocol situation. Um, that's why he ended up with like three interceptions and also the the fumble. I think it was so four turnovers o- or overall. I'll read two, uh, fumbles. two fumbles. Wow. Okay, so two fumbles. Well, one one was recovered by us, and the one was recovered by the Rams. So five turnovers, technically, or five Five turn four turnovers, five four opportunities of turnovers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, I guess I this is kind of like a rhetorical question at this point, but um, I guess are we really at that stage where we are looking for the next the next generation quarterback for this New York Giants team? Honestly, I, I think I think Daniel Jones shows you things in spurts, and that's what he's always done. He was not good against Dallas before he got hurt. He was 0 for 6. He, he, he does, Daniel Jones does this. He'll put together drives, and it's maddening because he'll put together drives where he looks fantastic, and then he doesn't look fantastic the next play. If you actually watch the Washington game, he probably should have had at least three interceptions in that game. They 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 were either drop pass. There was one play where he basically threw it to the to the Washington defender, and the guy just dropped it. He probably should have had another three against the Saints, and he should have had at least another two to three more against Dallas. So it's it's has Eli Manning was unlucky off the tip passes because it seemed like every tip pass Eli Manning had in his entire career went to intercepted. Daniel Jones went through a streak where that wasn't the case. The problem with Daniel Jones is he doesn't seem to process the field. And I've said this before, he's a he's a one read quarterback. I refer to it as red striping. Or if you watch the top of his helmet, he's always locked onto his primary receiver and you can watch the red stripe on his helmet and see which receiver he's going to. Um, he doesn't process fast enough. And, and I don't know if it's a mental thing, but he's not seeing the field fast enough and allowing it to go from his brain to his arm to make the throws. Kurt Warner did a great video um, and he broke down the Washington game with Daniel Jones. And it was a 15 minute video. And at one point there was, I think, a minute and a half of the video was about Jason Garrett and the rest was about Daniel Jones. And everyone that loves Daniel Jones says, see, it's all Jason Garrett's fault. It's like, okay, evidently you didn't watch the other 14 minutes where they, he showed that Daniel Jones had one-on-one coverage on both sidelines multiple times and checked down. So I don't know if it's he just doesn't want to does he doesn't want to make the mistake or if he's just not seeing the field enough. Pat Shermer was very intelligent with Daniel Jones. Pat Shermer gave him a one read option. He cut the field in half. 
And sometimes then he would give him a deep option and an intermediate option and a check down, but he cut the field in half for Daniel Jones. He did not allow him to get overwhelmed. And the problem is Daniel Jones to me has never grown from that. And you'll see spurts, but there's always been quarterbacks out there. They'll show you one great game, but Daniel Jones, technically, if you look at it, it's had two bad games in a row and he had two okay games in the beginning of the season and his fumble cost us that other game early in the season as well. So, I mean, you can't, you can't, you want to live by the sword and die by the sword. That's great. But I don't want the sword to be Daniel Jones anymore. I, I think we need to, I think we need to move on. Now, I'm not sure if this is relevant considering our season's down the drain at this point, but you know, we do have to talk about the Panthers. Obviously they're coming up. They don't have Christian McCaffrey probably won't affect it that much considering our recent form, but do you have a score prediction? Obviously I'm assuming you're predicting a loss like most logical people would at this time, but uh, do you have any bit of hope for the Giants? Actually, I'm not. I'm actually predicting a win. Um, Interesting. I, I, I predicted them to beat the Saints, and I actually had to score as 34-31. Um, mm. I think this is a game at home, it, it, and I, I laugh because sometimes I call these hope games. It's going to give the fan, ba- fan base hope. Mm-hmm. The Giants will go out there and probably win like 23-17. Uh, more of the wide receiver is going to be out as well. McCaffrey's also out. I'm not sure if uh, Martin's playing the uh, the linebacker. Uh, I know uh, Shaq Thompson's had a has a has had a foot injury. Uh, I'm not sure where he's at. C.J. Henderson's also he's been limited with the shoulder, and um, it's just one of those games that you, you, there's and, and it's the same thing when I say with about us winning the the Saints game. I said there's no logical explanation for me to think the Giants are going to win this game. Mm-hmm. But to me, there's the the there are three right now the um, Panthers are three and three. They've come off three bad losses. I mean, they lost to the Vikings in overtime. They lost to the Eagles and they, you know, no shame losing to the Cowboys, but they're coming in, they're coming into MetLife. I I think the giant defense hopefully can put something together. And I think the worst thing that's going to happen is it's, they're going to win. They're going to give the, the, the fan base hope at two and five, kind of like last year. And, and then it's just going to go down the drain because I said it before, our schedule on, on, on after this week, I mean, you, you got the Panthers. You, I mean, you got, I'm going to see after the Panthers, you got the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Bucks, And I think the next winnable game may be November 28th against the Eagles. But then you got the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Bears, and the Washington team. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're the Bears have a good defense. The Eagles are playing above themselves. The Chargers are good. Cowboys are good. You know, we, I, we had the, we've had the Washington team's number, but that seems to be turning around a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I could see us winning and then dropping like the next six. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I also, I also can see the same exact thing. Um, we saved our score predictions for this moment, so I'll do mine first, I guess. I have the Giants losing, unfortunately. I, I think it's going to be a 24-17 win. Uh, for the Carolina Panthers, kind of like answering your questions from a today standpoint when it comes to practicing. Henderson had a full practice today, uh, although Thompson, I know, did not practice. Um, so I guess that's a good thing. And like you said, McCaffrey uh, will be out. More will be out. So I guess that's a good thing. But but Hubbard's, Hubbard's been good in the replacement role. And it's for some reason that these Carolina running back replacements, you know, are successful. Mike Davis last season, now he's on his own own path. And then now with uh, Hubbard. So I don't know. But that's my prediction. 24-17 Panthers win. Alex? 
Mm, I mean, now, you know, you got me thinking with this whole hope win thing, because I, I did say, hey, watch watch us win the, against the Saints, because, you know, we always win these games where, like, our backs are against the wall, and then we end up winning, and then when our back's not up against the wall, we just fall right down for no reason. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go 2017 Panthers, but I think there is a good chance that, uh, you know, I think they could win, but especially with the Panthers being a little bit weak in terms of depth, so... Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because in, in the annicles of giant history, and like I said, I go way back. So there, even when giants were bad, I mean like bad like this, they would always, and it would always be early in the season. They would always rise and, and then they always would win this game and you, they would win it convincingly. And you were, you would sit there and think, well, you know what? Maybe they're not that bad. And then the next week they get blown out like 45, seven. I remember games like that in 1983 when Bill Parcells went three twelve and one and almost got himself fired. Uh, I, you know, I, I remember some of the games from I mean, some of the seasons in the seventies where the Giants won one twelve and one, um, and those were bad teams. But like I said, they always gave you hope for a week, and then like I said, hope just kind of got ripped away from you, you know, the following week. So there's been there's been a pattern of that in Giant history. Tim, we thank you so much for joining us. You can go uh, subscribe on YouTube, online, Big Blue Sports Entertainment, and then you can go follow him on Twitter at onlinebigblue1. Um, yeah, and once again, we thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you the best of luck to uh, remain a Giants fan for the rest of the season. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I, it's hard to hold on, but you know, you got to hold on your Giants fandom, and hopefully the end is uh, the end is near with this era of coaches, and we'll have to see where it goes from there. Well, like I said, the Knicks are starting up soon. So there's, there's, there's always a gleam of hope. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I'll definitely be watching the game tonight. So at least that'll be hopefully something positive uh, when it comes to sports and my fandom life. Well, and, and you know what? I, I also want to do another shameless plug. I, I also have another podcast. It's a uh, NFL talk from across the pond and back. I do a show with a gentleman from the UK. Uh, his name is Dominic. And we, we kind of do a, uh, we do a basically an NFL perspective and do game breakdowns um, and game reviews every week. Um, it's again, it's NFL NFL talk from across the pond. The back. It's a good show. It's a fun show. It's interesting to get a perspective from the guy from the UK, um, only because of the fact, that, like I said, he his knowledge of football is, is is he's more he's learning more and more. So it's it's interesting to see that perspective of a of a of a fan, and he's a huge giant fan too. So it's it's fun to see the perspective of a fan who's kind of not new to the sport, but newer to the sport and is not as jaded (laughs) as some of us fans are right now. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi... We've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.